In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This is a celebration of light and the glory of Christ. It's the culmination of all the weeks of Sundays that we've had, starting with the Feast of the Epiphany. And this is the way it all caps off in a kind of climactic way, the story of light, the mountaintop experience of Peter, James, and John as they witness Christ's divinity revealed. Interestingly, at the same time, this is a picture through the valley and over to another mountain far away, the hill of Calvary. From the place of this revealing of Christ's divinity, we see that we are heading toward Holy Week. Even the collect of the day signals that both realities are pulled together into today's observance and celebration. The collect begins, O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mount. It's already right there. Before his passion, his glory was revealed on the holy mount. We are asked by faith to observe the light of Christ's countenance, his beaming face, his shining white, white clothing. And we are being asked to allow that to strengthen us to carry our cross. Isn't it strange that such a scene of glory would also be the theme of the cross. It's just as it needs to be, though, because this Wednesday we begin Lent, and our Lent is a journey with Christ toward that hill far away where will stand his cross. So here is an invitation for today. It's an invitation issued by this parish to all the people of the parish, by our rector, to take a spiritual journey for seven weeks of Lent, beginning this Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. But more rudimentary than that, this is an invitation issued at all times by Christ himself, through his saving acts for us. You're invited to journey into the heart of the crucified life. On the surface, it's hard to imagine how you could pull together the words crucified and life and hold them there. Crucifixion was a way of ending life. It was a way of bringing about death. But... By the author of life offering his blessed son, that made an instrument of shameful death to be for us the means of life. Jesus challenged his disciples to be part of this crucified, life-giving reality. 
when he said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. We'll be looking over the next several weeks at the implications of this challenge of our Lord to take up our own cross and follow him. And we do it by zooming in on the words of Jesus from the cross. His willing acceptance of the cross and the three hours of his passion are in themselves a kind of wordless prayer. His his final sermon in his earthly ministry. Oh, but they're not wordless. The witnesses that offered to us the the testimony, which are the Gospels, they pull out several words spoken from the cross, very traditional subjects of reflection during Lent and Holy Week. And using this as our structure and focus, we plan to hear that sermon from the cross in a profound way, in a life-changing way. He did speak words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We'll look at forgiveness. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Salvation. Woman, behold your son, behold your mother. Relationship. I thirst. Distress. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Abandonment. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Reunion. It is finished. Triumph. So those words, you can see, they are words of your life. They are words of your experience. They are words that, that, that connect with the reality of your lives. Forgiveness, salvation, relationship, distress. Abandonment, reunion, triumph. All of them apply so poignantly. Well, I want to say just a few words about this word from the cross on forgiveness. But before I do, I'm going to grab back toward our, uh, our celebration theme of light, back to the Mount of the Transfiguration. You know, in the Holy Land where where Father Bates says that when he traveled, he remembers the train going right past and then being able to see the mountain of transfiguration and on the top of that mountain, the church of the transfiguration and then heading toward Jerusalem where that other drama uh, took place. From this mountaintop, we do experience a, a sense of of celebration and victory. And uh, in our own parish life, there are two things I'd like to just call up as celebration points. The first is that we have just been through this amazing season 
where we have heard about the lessons and teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, another mountain illusion. And uh, what we have with our clergy here, Father Bates and Father Wismer, are, are people who are people of books, people of people. The magnificent thing about being, being led at, to all of us being ministers and being uh, driven and, and uh, included in the faith and included in ministry is that we have people that uh, look deeply into the scriptures, into the theology of the church, and then are able to communicate these things to those who are moving in faith, deepening their spiritual connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it really is something to celebrate. It's a point of celebration on this day of transfiguration. We have the chance for Christ to allow us to go from, from one strength to another in his transforming life. The other thing is that week by week I look at our little stewardship announcement and I see this amazing goal and this amazing reach uh, for that goal and I see us hovering just a little below the goal. And so just for fun and as a point of personal privilege, uh, I want to initiate an informal mini campaign. Uh, th this is how I want to do it. Um, for those of you who have not pledged or who maybe need to look at, uh, look at adjusting your pledge, here, uh, I've been doing these runs with Juan Pablo. You know Juan Pablo who helps around here, does this and that and everything around for us. Um, he has always dreamed of running a marathon. And he's been uh, working at it. We've been doing some runs together. And he's very dedicated to this. He's always already done two half marathons. And uh, he and I are going to run the one in the woodlands this coming Saturday. So I got to thinking, maybe I should challenge the, the body of Christ here uh, to, uh, if you haven't turned in a pledge, turn one in. Maybe there could be 26 uh, new pledges uh, or people that want to raise their pledge. And uh, that corresponds to the 26 miles, uh, well, both of us put together, that is. It is a half marathon. The 26 miles that, as a team, we will run. And so then I can check with Arlene and I won't see the amounts, but if there are names I can associate with these new pledges, then uh, I will pray uh, each mile uh, for two of the people. And uh, at my pace, that could mean like four and a half minutes of prayer, you know? I mean, for next Saturday, it could be a lot of fun. So I'll let you know how that goes. And uh, it is... It is a privilege to give ourselves in ministry, in prayer, in devotion, and with our financial support to this congregation, giving to God through the ministry of this church. When Jesus is on the cross, he can see those all around him. And one of the words he says is, Father... 
Forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. This is a petition from the Son of God for all that he sees to be forgiven, and not only those whom he sees, but the disciples who scattered and can't be seen. They're nowhere to be seen. For disciples, you and me, that are centuries away from that scene, that are oceans away from that scene, all of us taken in to the forgiveness of Christ. His arms are outstretched on the cross, and yet with his outstretched arms, we receive a kind of real divine embrace of forgiveness. Two things happen when he makes that prayer to his heavenly father. One is that forgiveness is issued and the burden from all of us is lifted. The other thing is that forgiveness is modeled for us. It becomes for us a way of life. Rowan Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury last, makes an association between the daily bread in the Lord's Prayer and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. He says that we receive the capacity to forgive like we receive daily bread. Every day is a day of new possibility of forgiveness. When Jesus utters that prayer from the cross, he is giving us the bread that we need to be able to forgive others. We can't hold on to things that gnaw at us. Sometimes we experience some kind of injustice, an offense against us, a trespass against us. We have to forgive that. To forgive it is to experience the forgiveness that God has for us. If we keep it, it is like poison in our system. It is like acid in the container of our bodies and our souls. To release it is to know healing. The power to forgive is a gift from God. It's a charism of the Holy Spirit. Because forgiveness is possible, we have the chance to remove the greatest obstacle that there is to communication. We have the chance to have our wounds healed, to confess the truth that sets us free. As Lawrence Freeman says in Jesus the Teacher, with forgiveness and this possibility of forgiveness, We have our pain consoled, our anger calmed, our resentment dissolved, and we achieve the reconciliation of enemies. People, we need this. We can't let something that's destructive continue to destroy us. That's why it's a good thing that God has forgiven us and 
Just as we have freely been given, so we can freely give. God has forgiven us, and now we can forgive, be healed, and be strengthened and transformed into Christ's likeness. Amen.